2: Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: You may know Jackson Pollock, the painter famous for his iconic drip paintings. But what do you know about his wife, artist Lee Krasner? On Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock, the story of the artist who reset the market for American abstract painting, just maybe not the one you're thinking of. Listen to Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: This is The Look Ahead with Scott Seidenberg on VSN, the sports betting network. Just the 25th
4: time ever. On Thursday, we saw the sports equinox. The four major sports playing at the same time. Throw in college football and you got the five major sports all at the same time. Yes, games galore in hockey, basketball, and of course, baseball playoffs and football. The NFL got started off week seven underway with the Broncos and their backup squad, Defeating the uh, the, excuse me, the Browns backup squad beating the Broncos. Too many B's. The Browns backups beating the Broncos. That's what? B B B B. But yes, it was the backup squad. This was the Browns JV team. Case Keenum at quarterback and De'Ernest Johnson, who this is an incredible story. And I saw this tweeted out. Our very own Sean King, host of the Nightcap here on vsin Uh, coached D'Ernest at South Florida. And there was a tweet from someone who uh, is from South Florida who tweeted out a picture and and said this. My favorite story is Courtney Kramer, and Sean retweeted this. My favorite story about D'Ernest He DM'd every AAF team in 2018 asking for a tryout. That was the Alliance of American Football. Remember that? He made the Orlando team, and then he popped off, and now he's in the NFL. And she saved the screenshot of a message that he sent, saying, hi, my name is Dearness Johnson. I'm a former running back for the University of South Florida. After finishing college at USF, I attended training camp with the New Orleans Saints, but I have since been a free agent. I am very interested in becoming a part of the Alliance League and would love the chance to send in my highlight videos for you to view. Thank you. Kids like that deserve the good things that happened to them. He hustled. He didn't quit. His career got a second chance. And thanks to injuries, to Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, Dearness Johnson gets a start for the Cleveland Browns nationally televised on Thursday night football against Von Miller and the Denver Broncos. And what does the kid do? He gets 22 carries for 146 yards and a touchdown and leads his team to a victory, an important victory, as they are now 4-3 and three on the air. For Case Keenum, he did what Case Keenum's going to do, manage the game. Played as as decently as you want him to play. Just threw for 199 yards, that's fine. You didn't need him to do more. Threw one touchdown, more importantly, did not throw an interception. Browns didn't turn the football over, and that's the best thing that happened for them in this game. But he goes under his passing yardage prop, so does Case Keenum. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater did throw an interception, so he goes over the half-a-point interception prop. Um, no offense for Denver at all. Just non-existent. Melvin Gordon rushed eight times for 18 yards. Javante Williams rushed four times for 20 yards. Dearness Johnson, as I mentioned, he had the 146 yards rushing. His total was 57 and a half. He shattered it. Case Keenum, meanwhile, was on the board at four and a half. He went over. Four carries for seven yards. So good if you back Case Keenum on the over on the rushing prop, he went over that total. Austin Hooper was the leading receiver on the Browns. He had that long 34-yard reception, so he had two catches for 42 yards. Uh, Jarvis Landry, he had 37 yards. Welcome back, Jarvis Landry. He goes under his total. Uh, Good thing I didn't do what I was thinking about doing, which was picking up Tim Patrick and starting him in fantasy. Um, I had benched Odell Beckham Jr., and that was a good thing because he's, he's a shell of himself. Uh, Odell goes two catches for 23 yards. He's just maybe still not 100%. But I I needed a receiver to pick up, and I was thinking about, hey, maybe Tim Patrick for for the Broncos. Nah, Tim Patrick had two catches for 16 yards. So um, I picked up Brandon Ayuk. We'll see how he does for the 49ers on Sunday night. Uh, But that's what happened on Thursday night football. An important win for the Cleveland Browns because they're still not out of the division race. And obviously, depending on what happens between the Ravens and the Bengals on Sunday, that's going to determine, you know, just how close this race is going to be. A Ravens win, and they improved to 6-1 and one on the year. You know, they got a two-game lead over both the Bengals and the Browns because they would both fall to 4-3. and three. Uh, But let's say the Bengals pull an upset. This is anybody's division right now because they would be five and two the Ravens would be five and two the Browns would be four and three. So very important game that the that the Browns will keep an eye on but more importantly for the Browns is they have the mini by now. they have the 10 days off until their next game they can rest up and hopefully get back some of their injured players for their next game as the Browns uh next weekend on Halloween, will take on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Maybe we should bet the orange team on Halloween, right? The Browns with the orange helmets, Halloween. You know, could be something there. No? Not funny? Okay. Uh, Let's take a look at the NFL board and talk about the games that uh, really jumped out to me. The first one is the Green Bay Packers. That's my survivor pick. Um, I can't see the Packers losing this football game. However... The spread is something that I don't necessarily want to mess around with. I have the Packers in the second leg of a teaser with the Broncos from Thursday night. The Broncos, I pushed them up to 8.5 when the line was at 2.5, and and now I have the Packers down at 1.5 because the line was at 7.5. That's where I'm comfortable with this Packers team. There's There's a possibility that in the second half, they take their foot off the pedal because they have a Thursday night game coming up against the Arizona Cardinals. And what a marquee game that is going to be with 6-1 Green Bay, because I'm projecting a win for them, against the undefeated 7-0 Cardinals on Thursday night football. So I don't think the Packers want to have this game against Washington come down to the end of the fourth quarter, I think there's going to be an extra emphasis on jumping out early and jumping out to a big lead so that they can kind of cruise in the fourth quarter. Maybe Packers' first half is somewhere to look as well, because they're definitely going to want to get out fast, and not want to be caught in a battle. And as bad as Washington, Washington has been defensively this season, I mean, can you bank on them stopping this Packer offense at any point? I, I certainly can't. No, I cannot. Um, so I think Packers in a teaser leg. Packers in a money line parlay. You know, there's a couple of teams on here uh, on this board that might not be teaser legs because. You never really want to tease across zero, and also some of the high spreads really don't lend themselves to teasers. Uh, for instance, the um, the Rams at fifteen I mean, really—I mean, what are you going to tease them to to nine? I guess just hope that they win by ten. It's not there, but look, they're heavy money line favorites though, so maybe you put them in a money line parlay. Um, the bucks are 12 and a half. If you want to get them down to six and a half, okay, or maybe you put them in a money line parlay. Uh, so there's a couple of things to look at here uh, with teams that I think are interesting money line parlay pieces. Uh, my favorite play of the, th- this day on Sunday is going to be the Atlanta Falcons against the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins are a bad team, and every situation is going against them here on Sunday. The Dolphins are playing after their London game. They did not have a bye after the London game. And the Falcons are coming off of the bye. And maybe, or hopefully, they used this week off to get their offense right. Get back on track. That would be the ideal situation for them. Plus, there's a major post-buy system as pointed out by our very own Steve Mackinnon in this week's edition of Point Spread Weekly. And that is, road favorites coming out of their bye week since 1999 are 97 and 37 straight up. And... When they are a post by road favorite against a non conference opponent, and that's what's happening here you have an NFC team against an AFC team, Falcons against the Dolphins. Since the year 2000, they are 29 11 and 1 against the spread. That is hitting at 73%. So the Falcons are involved in a system that is 97 and 97-37 straight up, 83-49-2 against the spread, and also 29-11-1 against the spread. And it makes all the sense in the world because you have an opponent that you're not familiar with. So the team that has the extra time to prepare for that opponent usually comes out ahead. And that would be the team playing with the extra rest, having that extra time to prepare for an unknown non-conference opponent. And that would be the Falcons here going into Miami to take on the Dolphins. I love the Falcons. I absolutely do. I will be playing them on the money line. Don't even worry about that two and a half point spread. Low enough money line. I'm taking the Atlanta Falcons. I'm Scott Seidenberg. We'll continue to look at these weekend games coming up next. It's the look ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Follow along on Twitter at Scott's On Air and at VSIN Live.
5: I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
3: On a summer night in Paris, American artist Lee Krasner is drifting off to sleep when the phone rings. On the line, news that her husband, Jackson, is dead. Jackson, as in the painter Jackson Pollock, He might, to this day, be the most mythologized figure in American art. But how much of the story that we've been told about him is just that, a myth? On Death of an Artist season two, Krasner and Pollock, the story about how the art world changed forever, and the story of the artist who reset the market for American abstract painting, just maybe not the one you're thinking of. Listen to Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. From LinkedIn
2: News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple.
4: This is the look ahead on VSN, the sports betting network. The NBA season might have tipped off, but there is still time to grab your copy of the VSN Pro Basketball Betting Guide. It has strategies, predictions, and best bets to stay ahead of the oddsmakers. Our hoops experts, including Jonathan Von Tobel, provide strategy and advice, as well as predictions for conference winners, win totals, playoff teams, and player awards. This digital guide is a must-have, so give yourself a betting edge this season and get your copy now for only $9.99 at vcin.com slash subscribe. Scott Sadenberg back here with you on The Look Ahead here on vcin, the sports betting network. Don't want to mess up the flag there. Uh, In the NBA, you had just three games on Thursday. All three favorites won. Two of them covered. One of them didn't. Hawks blew out the Mavericks, 113.87. The Heat blew out the Bucks 137-95. Warriors two point win over the Clippers 115-113. The Heat Bucks game was a just a hammer spot because once it was announced that Brook Lopez and Drew Holiday weren't gonna play, the line flipped and the Heat went from being uh, you know, I believe they were a small underdog at one point. And they, they went off at minus three. And I wish I put more on it, to be honest with you. Uh, once the once the news came out with no Brooke Lopez and no Drew Holiday, uh, I played the Heat, and it was just never in doubt. Never in doubt. I mean, the game early on, it was well in hand as the Heat scored 40 points in the first quarter. It was 40-17 after the first quarter. And unlike the Clippers game against the Warriors, the Bucks never had that comeback rally. So the heat went on. They cruised to a big victory, 137-95. to And so taking a look at the board here on Friday, there's a couple of interesting spots. And I, I can continue to pick on the bad teams, which worked very well for us on Wednesday. And in looking at the bad team, I see that the Orlando Magic are seven-point dogs at home against the New York Knicks. This is a very high line. The Knicks should win this game. They're better than the Magic. But the Knicks are coming off a double overtime game against the Celtics where there was so much emotion in that building, it felt, well, I wasn't there, but watching it on TV, it felt like a playoff game at Madison Square Garden. That's how intense the crowd was and the atmosphere was for that game. How do the Knicks now come from that, travel to Orlando to take on a bad Magic team, and lay seven? I'm not comfortable laying seven. If I was to bet the Knicks in this spot, I would bet them in a money line parlay with maybe some other favorites, but I can't lay seven in this spot with the Knicks. Even though the Knicks are, are better than the Magic, I, I can't. The Magic are bad. They are. They're a bad team. They're one of the teams that we're going to continue to pick on. We picked on them, and the Spurs handled them easily, one twenty three ninety seven. But they're at home here, and like I said, the Knicks in a bad spot coming off the emotional win on Wednesday against the Celtics, and it was in double overtime too. And watching the end of that game, I made the analogy on Wednesday night that both the Knicks and the Celtics looked like Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder in the 8th or ninth round. They were just struggling. First game of the season. I mean, guys barely have their legs underneath them as it is. And they go into double overtime? I mean, come on. So um, I think the Knicks, you can do on them on the money line. I wouldn't lay the seven with them in this spot. A couple of you know things that we could look at: the Pelicans against the Bulls. The Bulls are at home. Sec uh, the Bulls they won their opener at Detroit, and this is a very good roster that is going to take some time. To gel and that's what is the big kind of um, assumption after uh, you know after watching them play and we all bet on them, not just me, it seemed like everybody on Twitter was betting on them, and that was kind of the result, right is hey, this team is going to be good, they just need. Time to gel so maybe one week one game is not enough to say that uh the the um that it's going to be uh that it's going to be just the um you know just the one game and they're ready it's gonna, probably gonna take more time than this, but uh this is a spot where they're at home the crowd is going to get behind them at home because. They're coming off an exciting win in their first game on the road, and this is the crowd's first chance to get a look at this new look Bulls team that is going to be exciting to watch this year. They're playing against the Pelicans team that is a team that we faded against the the Sixers in the first game of the season, playing without Zion Williamson. Who did you see this report that um, that Zion is weighing like over three hundred pounds now? that um, they're not happy with him, and he his playing weight was like 280, and now he's over 300 pounds because I guess he's not doing much because he's uh, rehabbing from a uh, a foot operation. So they're still playing without him, trying to get him back on the court. This could be another fade spot, and we could take the Bulls in this spot here at home, the Bulls are laying seven points at home. Maybe putting the Bulls and Knicks in a money line parlay could be a good spot instead of laying the points, just taking the two favorites on the money line parlay. I'd love to see if there's another favorite. Lakers and Suns is an interesting game. That's an even spread. Uh, the Suns lost their opener, so did the Lakers. Um, you know, who bounces back here in this spot? Is there another favorite that we can do on, on a little money line parlay? How about the Jazz? The Jazz on the road coming off a win against the Thunder where they didn't really have to exude that much effort. They're going on the road to face off against a Kings team that won on the road at Portland as an underdog. They were six-and-a-half-point underdogs, and they won the game outright, 124-121, despite a furious comeback attempt by Portland, who outscored them 36-24 in the fourth quarter. So, intense game on the road, came down to the wire. Now you're playing a team in the Jazz that's coming off kind of an easy victory. Uh, maybe this Utah team um, is going to roll here against an inferior opponent in the Sacramento Kings. Utah is laying five and a half. So maybe doing a money line parlay with the, let's see, Knicks, Bulls, and Jazz pays out plus 167 on the DraftKings book. Not terrible. Three favorites. Mm, interesting spot. For these three favorites. You could go with the Nuggets as a 7.5 point favorite. Against the Spurs also. That would make it a 4-teamer at plus 254. But now you're just leaving yourself uh, you know, more margin for error on that. But maybe just not include the Knicks at all. Maybe the Knicks lose to Orlando. Again, that's just a bad spot for the Knicks coming off that double overtime game. Like I said, they should win. They really should. They should win against... The Orlando Magic. They're better than the Magic. They, they absolutely are better than the Magic. But it's just a bad spot for them with all that they're dealing with. So uh, maybe just leave them out of it. We'll see. Uh, let's talk about some more college football spots that I like here on the Friday and Saturday card. And then we'll finalize uh, some official selections and see if we really do narrow down the circled games into the games that we love and want to risk our money on. Uh, There's a lot. And I talked about this earlier in the, in the program, I circled so many games this weekend that I couldn't tell if I loved this board or if I hated this board. And maybe I was just looking at spots to bet, but I have settled in on two official plays for Saturday I had one official play here on Thursday that won, and that was the SMU game. I'm leaning towards a play on Friday, and there's some other ones that I kind of like here coming up on Saturday. So let's talk about those games that I kind of like on Saturday and see if uh, I could talk myself into a play here. Follow along on Twitter at scottsonair, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Your tweets are always welcome. I'll read them on the air as well. It is The Look Ahead with me, Scott Seidenberg, here on v the Sports Betting Network. And the Sports Betting Network. The Sports Betting National Championship is coming up November 5th through the 7th, and VSIN will provide coverage from the main event all weekend long, including live on location updates for all the action. Visit slash SBNC for more information and learn how you can enter for a chance to test your skills and win cash, including the million dollar top prize. That's slash SBNC. Scott Sadenberg back here with you. The look ahead here on VCNV, Sports Betting Network. Talked about Memphis earlier in terms of a Friday night college football play. And while I think they should win, I'm thinking about the over. And I think that's the right side of of the play here. Like, how about Memphis and the over? Because I think both happen. But if UCF wins this game, then UCF has to score over 35 points to win this game. Like that's see that's why I'm leaning towards the the over here as the play because even like Memphis's defense is so bad. So so bad. But their offense is electric. Their offense, they can score. We know that. They score 35.9 points per game. That is tied for the 23rd best in the country. They have the 23rd best offense in the country. Yardage-wise, they're even better than that. Yardage-wise, they are... Uh, and I gave the numbers out earlier. It's, let's see, total offense. Yardage wise, they are 10th in the country. 10th best. In, so they're 23rd best scoring team in the country. They're 10th best yardage team in the country. They are 9th best yards per play team in the country. They're going to score 35 points in this game. So if they lose, the game has to go over. Because I don't think there's any way that Memphis doesn't get. I mean, at, what's the what's the lowest? What's the worst that they're going to do? Like like let's let's play out the worst case scenario. Worst case scenario, Scott. What's the lowest amount of points that you see Memphis scoring against Central Florida? And my answer is going to be 28. That's, to me, that's the worst case scenario. There's no game, the lowest amount of points that they have scored all season has been 28 points. That was the game against UTSA. They scored 28 points and lost. So, if they have that low output, and yes, I guess it could be a similar score to that UTSA game, the 31-28 final, which is a total of 59, and it would go under the 63. But to me, that's such a small margin of four points that I think you're getting those four points because I don't think that there's going to be field goals in this game. First off, we know, we've been burned on it, how bad Memphis is at kicking field goals, right? We know. So they're going to be going for touchdowns. And then Central Florida and Gus Malzahn, you got to know that against this Memphis team that scores so much and as bad as they are defensively, and that's the thing, they're atrocious defensively. They're 100th in the nation in defense. They're bad defensively. You know that, hey, why am I settling for three? I'm going to go for it on fourth down because this defense is so bad that I'm probably going to get it. So I don't think there's going to be any field goals in this game. So worst case scenario, I think we get a 35-28 final. Worst case scenario if memphis loses that's the thing you see if memphis wins you know i could see a scenario that ucf doesn't get into the 30s but in that case i think memphis gets maybe into the 40s so memphis and the over kind of like them both that would be you know those are my leans here for friday night um if you wanted to you know, Middle Tennessee playing against UConn, they're 15-and-a-half-point favorites. UConn's terrible, right? Like, UConn's really, really bad. Middle Tennessee has uh, a week off here. They haven't played since uh, they lost to Liberty 41-13. to That game was on um, October 9th, so they've had plenty of time off before they take on UConn here. UConn, by the way, coming off their first win of the season. Congratulations, UConn. They lost to UMass two weeks ago in a battle of winless teams. They lose 27-13, but they faced Yale last week and got a win 21-15. That snapped an 11-game losing streak. For uconn middle tennessee should win this game should win this game rather convincingly um so do i want to lay the points no i don't want to lay the points it's an ugly game I'm not gonna lay the points uh but maybe there's a situation where we could find some parlay pieces here and, and you know find uh partners like washington playing against arizona arizona's so bad Arizona's 0-6 this year, and frankly, they haven't even come close. They haven't even come close. They lost to Colorado 34-0. They lost 34-16 to UCLA, 41-19 to Oregon. Um, they lost to Northern Arizona, an FCS school, 21 19 They lost to San Diego State 38-14 and 24-16 to BYU to open up the season. This is an 18-game losing streak that they are on. That is the longest losing streak in the country. And I don't see them getting a miracle win against Washington. And, that's you know, Washington's not a good football team this year. Washington is on a very downward trend. You know, this is a team in Washington. You want to talk about losing to FCS schools. They lost to Montana to start the year. You know, they get blown out by Michigan, but they did have the blowout win over Arkansas State. They beat Cal. They lose to Oregon State, and they lose to UCLA. They were competitive in the UCLA game, and they were competitive in the Oregon State game. Uh, But this is a game now. They are 18-point favorites over Arizona. And come on. You can't, you can't lose that football game. That's an embarrassing football game. Uh, heavy favorites here. If you want to lay the two of them together, uh, yeah, it's still, you need to put a fourth team in there. But maybe you do something like a cross sport or something like that. Maybe there's another favorite that you like on the board. But there's, you know, you're laying 18 points, not good. Games that I circled that I kind of like for Saturday. I thought about Navy against Cincinnati but I can't bet against this Cincinnati team. Not when Cincinnati knows that they have to be impressive in these games. They have to win big. They can't afford a slip up. So I can't bet against Cincinnati, even though I want to take Navy plus the 28 points. Uh, Oklahoma's laying 38 and a half against Kansas. I don't want to touch that. Penn state is interesting to me. Um, as a 23-point favorite over Illinois, they should win by 30. They should blow them out. The spot that I that I circled and I kind of highlighted is LSU plus 9. Matt Corral is banged up for Ole Miss. LSU, the distraction's gone. Like the, the situation has finality now. They know that Ed Orgeron is done. But maybe they're happy that Ed Orgeron is staying for the remainder of the season. And maybe some of these players are going to play hard to earn themselves playing time for the rest of this season and to impress whoever's going to take over this team next year. Uh, The spread has gone down to 7.5. Is that accurate? 7.5 in that game? Is it because of the Matt Corral news? Uh, Yeah, which is crazy. 7.5, it has gone down. So... Hey, listen, it's still above a touchdown. I like it. Still above a touchdown. But that's very interesting to me seeing that spread go down as much as it has. Still a spot that I kind of like LSU in, though. Have to dive a little bit deeper, but that is absolutely one of my leans for uh, LSU against Ole Miss. Uh, we'll give you the NFL official picks coming up next. This is the look ahead here on decent
5: on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
1: From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development.
2: I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets.
3: The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all
2: or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus
3: grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important.
2: Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: This is The Look Ahead on v the sports betting network. First bet wants to get you ready for the Breeders' Cup with a chance to win $1,000 in free bets. Go to vcin.com horses to enter for your chance to win. The grand prize winner will have $1,000 deposited into their account before Friday, November 5th, just in time for the Breeders' Cup. There are plenty of runner-up prizes as well, so sign up today at vcin.com slash horses. Terms and conditions apply. Go to vsincom slash horses for more information. Scott Sidenberg here. so look ahead on Vsin, the sports betting network. Let's get the official plays in the NFL. And the one that I have already set my heart on is the Atlanta Falcons. Falcons are minus two and a half against the Dolphins. Money line is minus one thirty-five. Might as well just go with the money line. Falcons money line, we're booking it. Write it down. Jot that down. Uh, there's so many reasons to like the Falcons in this matchup. So many reasons. And I, I'll give you the trends again that I mentioned from our very own Steve Mackinnon in Points Weekly. But let's just talk about how bad. This Dolphins team has been. They're only scoring 16 points per game. They're allowing 30 points per game. They lose in London to the Jaguars. And they elected not to have their bye week. After the London game. So now they travel back from London. And they have to prepare To face off against the Atlanta Falcons, who are coming off their bye week rested and ready to get back after it. This is a Dolphins team that has looked bad against every opponent they have played. And the only win that they have, they got lucky to get. And that was in week one against the New England Patriots, courtesy of a Damian Williams fumble late in the fourth quarter. A Damian Harris fumble. Damian Harris fumbles on the 11-yard line, going in to score. If he scores there, Patriots win this game. And the Dolphins would be 0-6, but they're 1-5 right now. And I don't see it turning around. I gave you the stats. The team is just not scoring defensively. They're not stopping anyone. And maybe the uh the, the the Falcons getting this week off is what they needed to just hit the reset button on a season that hasn't gone the way that they had hoped. They're two and three. They lost to Washington in a game they should have won. Okay, you're losing to the Eagles in week one, bad loss. You lose to the Bucks, no one's going to blame you. They beat the Giants like they should have. They lose to Washington in an upsetting game. And then they beat the Jets like they should have. Well, now they should beat the Dolphins. They're a better football team than Miami right now. They're rested, they're better, and then there's the situations. The trends are all aligned for the Atlanta Falcons. As our very own Steve McEnum points out in Point Spread Weekly, road favorites coming off their bye week since 1999 are 83-49-2 against the spread, 97-37 and straight up. And when those teams are playing against non-conference opponents. They are 29-11-1 against the spread. And it makes so much sense because they have an extra week to prepare for an unknown opponent, whereas the Dolphins are coming off an ugly loss in London and have just this week to prepare for an unknown team in the Atlanta Falcons. Because there's not much to know about them, Right. New offense under Arthur Smith. And you only see what you've seen on film so far, which is hasn't been good. But I think this is going to be a different Falcons team. They should blow out the Dolphins. I'd be surprised if the Dolphins win this football game. And I'll eat my words if they do. But I'm playing the Falcons on the money line at minus 135. That is my first NFL play. Uh, the Packers for me are in a teaser spot. I have already played them with the Denver Broncos. So, and the Packers are my survivor pick. So I got the Packers to win. Uh, in fact, let's we'll put all these together to see if we have a little money line parlay, if we will. Packers and Falcons, money line parlay. Those two teams together, plus 115. Uh, elsewhere on the board, I kind of like the under in the 49ers. I kind of like the 49ers. Um, I think the Patriots are the right side. Something scares me about that game. Last time they played, Zach Wilson, four interceptions, and the Jets looked awful. They were never competitive in that game. But something scares me about this spot. I just feel like everybody is on the Patriots here. Uh, In fact, 93% of the handle currently on the DraftKings Sportsbook is on the Patriots at minus 6.5. Scares me a little bit. That's, but again... It's not warranted in anything football-related. Uh, to me, it's just Jets coming off a bye, rested. Again, the whole idea of hitting the reset button. And the Patriots come in off of uh, a, a punch-in-the-gut loss to the Dallas Cowboys. But they have all the advantages in this game against the Jets. But I'm going to stay away from that game. Ravens and Bengals. Ravens should win, but I kind of like the Bengals to cover. I think this could be a a, a much closer game than people think. I really do believe that Cincinnati has a chance to keep this close. The the, the Ravens have played now several high emotional games in a row. Um, The game against the Colts took a lot out of them. Last week, they had to get up for a game against one of the best teams in their conference, in the Chargers. Now, they blew them out. They absolutely destroyed them. So maybe it helps that they didn't have to stress that much in that game. But now, a divisional opponent awaits them. And could this be a come back down to earth spot for the Cincinnati Bengals who are 4 and 2 and you know really should be 4 it really should be 5 and 1 I mean, they had no business losing to the Bears if Joe Burrow doesn't throw three interceptions on three consecutive passes they don't lose that game but they beat the Vikings and Dalvin Cook fumbled in overtime so that maybe could have been a different result they beat the Steelers and the Steelers had just no offense at that point Uh, They beat the Jaguars, and then they lost when they stepped up in class to go up against the Packers. And they blew out the Lions last week. But now they're stepping up in class again. So is this going to be a similar result to the game that we saw against the Packers? It's on the road in Baltimore. Like I said, Ravens should win this game. But I think the Bengals can keep it close. Uh, I, I really do. Uh, the other blow, the other spots. Uh, I mean, the Panthers should beat the Giants. Giants are so bad. Um, you know, we have the Rams. Can you really see them losing to the Lions? Absolutely not. Uh, Chiefs and Titans. Titans might be the right side of that game. Uh, you have the Cardinals. They should not not lose to the Texans. Um, the Bucks should not lose to the Bears. So let's just have some fun here and select the money line parlay. It's plus 200 if you want to have all these money lines. If you do Rams, Cardinals, Bucks, Packers, and Falcons, it comes out to uh, plus 200. It's not great, but the four heavy favorites I really can't see losing the Bucks, the Cardinals, the Rams, and the Packers. uh, It would be big upsets if any of those teams lost. So all I'm doing is just throwing the Falcons in there. But you know what? I don't need the plus 200 on that. You know, I'm just happy with the Falcons. They're my best play of the week here in the NFL. College plays, got a bunch of them. I'm going to go with Memphis on Friday night. I I like the over in that game as well. Uh, Liberty is an official write-up play for me, laying three touchdowns. I can't believe I'm laying three touchdowns on the road, but I'm going to do it with Liberty. Uh, And Wake Forest Moneyline, minus 160, going to play them against Army. Coming up this morning on Follow the Money, Brad Powers, college football analyst, will join the show at 8 a.m. Eastern time at 9 a.m. Aaron Rinning, professional handicapper, will talk some hoops with the guys as well. Follow me on Twitter, at Scott's On Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Make sure you head to vcin.com You check out the best bets email for college and the NFL. I'm Scott Siderberg. This is The Look Ahead, here on v the Sports Betting Network.
2: Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: You may know Jackson Pollock, the painter famous for his iconic drip paintings. But what do you know about his wife, artist Lee Krasner?